from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Matthew Levine on December 28, 2017. Matthew is a singer-songwriter that has produced a number of CDs, including A House Divided, A Sacrifice to Thee, and Acquiescence. We sample a number of his songs from these CDs in the interview, along with some that have not been published yet. I started the interview by asking Matthew where he grew up. And what was religious life like growing up? I was born in Pacific Palisades. Uh, my parents moved to Brentwood when I was two. When I was about eight, we moved to Newport Beach, California, in Orange County. Religious life, my parents are Reformed Jews, so we grew up being told we were Jewish. And we went to religious school when we were kids. And my two brothers and I were all bar mitzvahed when we were 13. That's basically the extent of it. They didn't really push religion on us. But when I was 14, that's when I started being interested in my spiritual identity. I went to all the Jews I knew and the rabbis I knew, and I asked them. I kind of gave them an ultimatum. Well, it was partly because my best friend was Christian. We didn't see why one religion was better than the other. So I told all these Jewish friends and rabbis, why am I Jewish and why should I stay being a Jew? Why is Judaism better than other religions? Being the precocious kid that I was then, I got really silly answers that made no sense to me. So when I was 14, at one point, I told my parents that I'd become agnostic. And then my parents didn't think much of it. They thought it was a phase I was going through and they kind of let me alone. But my best friend and I, we went to all these different religious groups because we were interested in philosophy and spirituality. So we would visit uh, Hindu places and Urantia and all kinds of different religious meetings just to get an idea of what's out there. And, and none of it really made any more sense than what we already were until we were both invited to a Baha'i fireside. This was when I was 17. We got out of the Baha'i fireside and drove home together. And normally, after any religious, new religious meeting, we would make a lot of jokes about you know, what we had just experienced. But there was nothing to joke about after the Baha'i meeting. So the car was silent all the way home. It was about a 20-minute drive back home, which was very unusual. So uh, it must have made sense to both of us. Two years later... I was invited to a drummer's house overnight. He just decided he was going to talk to me about the Baha'i faith for an hour, not that I had asked. But I remembered I knew something about it. It made sense what he was saying, so I started going to Baha'i events, and I went to about seven of them, mostly because there was a girl there that I liked and, <laughs> and all that. But I was still interested in the spiritual stuff, but she kind of kept me going back. About the sixth or seventh fireside, I started asking serious questions that were interesting to me. 
and I got answers that were very impactful. And so I knew I had to be a Baha'i at a certain point, even though I didn't know who Baha'u'llah was really, but I, the principles and the things I heard, I hadn't heard anywhere else, and they made total sense to me. So I became a Baha'i when I was 17. I was essentially a card-carrying Baha'i for two years because I immediately moved to Los Angeles to pursue a songwriting career. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I became a Baha'i when I was 19. About a year or two later, I went to a Baha'i fireside where I finally understood who Baha'u'llah was. And it was one thing that the speaker said that just hit me like a ton of bricks. From that point on, I, I considered myself to be a consecrated Baha'i. So what was it that the speaker said that had that effect on you? I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. I do know, I do remember what question was answered when I became, right before I became a Baha'i. The single question that almost was responsible for me becoming a Baha'i. I, I said to the speaker, there's 10,000 other groups in the world that are all working for world peace. What are the Baha'is doing that nobody else is doing? And they told me about the administrative order and how people are elected and how global it was. And I thought the election, election process of Baha'is was the best thing I heard ever in my life. I mean, no electioneering allowed, no names on the ballot. You could write whatever names you want. No one's paid. All these safeguards preventing corruption from infiltrating into the Baha'i administrative order, I thought was a vehicle for world peace. It was, it was the first time I heard an actual vehicle that could help unify mankind and help to achieve world peace. Now, interestingly enough, I met another Baha'i that, that was the op it had the opposite effect on her. She did not like anything having to do with administration, and she prevent it prevented her from being a Baha'i for 20 years, but eventually she became a Baha'i for other reasons. So it just shows what impresses one person may not impress another person, but for me, that was it. So I'm speaking with Matthew Levine. He's a musician who's produced a number of CDs, and we'll get into his music at this point. So, Matthew, I had asked you to share some songs that you've written and composed and recorded over the years, and you've selected six. So why don't we get on with the first one? first one is called Andante. I guess it's on your CD called Acquiescence? Yes. Uh -huh. The original inspiration for writing that was my professor at the University of Houston at the Morris School of Music said, you need to write a brass quintet, and if you don't, you'll get an F. So I had to do it for schools. It was the first thing I wrote for a brass quintet. It's coupled with another piece called Briante, which is another piece that kind of goes with it. There wasn't a specific thing I imagined. I just wanted something very soulful and, and majestic at the same time. That tone is what I was trying for from the beginning to the end. Mostly, I was trying to take everything I learned about composition and make sure that every note had a reason for being there, because if, if there was one wrong note, my professor would find it. He's just an amazing guy. It was just to try to, to write a piece that held together from beginning to end and didn't have too many 
themes going on and it had a consistency of the harmonic palette and the way it evolved. It was one of my personal favorite pieces. So I'm speaking with Matthew Levine, who has produced a number of CDs, one of which is called Acquiescence, and this song we'll play is called Andante. So I'm speaking with Matthew Levine, and we just listened to the piece Andante. The next piece we're going to share is called With the Hands of Power. So Matthew, could you tell us about that one? Uh, yes, that was off my last album um, of the same title. 
almost the I think the entire album is from the Baha'i writings, except for one piece, which is from a writing from a man, a man named George Townsend, who became a Baha'i. Uh, with the hands of power, I think it might be one of the hidden words. I'm not sure. So when you say the uh, hidden I, words, what are those, um, Matthew? Oh, I'm sorry. The, the hidden words are, are very short writings from Baha'u'llah that sort of encapsulate essences of religion, of various subjects. This was a very simple piece, and I, I really liked the flow of the words, and I, I just felt that a gospel treatment would go good with it. All right, so this is With the Hands of Power. Oh, son of being, with the hands of power I made thee, and with the fingers of strength I created thee, and with thee. So I'm speaking with Matthew Levine, and we're listening to his music off of his various CDs. The next piece we're going to share is called One of a Kind. So Matthew, why don't you tell us about this piece? This was an idea I had for a children's song. I always believed that children's songs that really resonated with children would also resonate with adults. I think Sesame Street is a good example of of a company that puts out songs that adults can appreciate as well. Actually, the initial idea from it, I think, came from a story my father told me, which is in the second verse, I believe, where he was in a class, and the, a philosophy class, and the, the teacher said, give me a proof that this chair in front of you exists. And somebody in his class wrote, what chair? And I thought that was very clever. I found a way to put it in the song much later years after I heard that story. But very often I'll get an idea for a song and I won't know how to execute it for weeks, months, years, or even decades later. But when the idea comes and I know how to put it in a song, then usually the song works out quicker than, than years or months. So uh, I wanted to write a children's song that anybody could relate to. And I think adults and children should and, and know that each person is an individual and a unique creation. And I wanted to impart that to children. 
So this is called One of a Kind. I wear purple underwear cause I think it's cool. I eat vegetables for breakfast and walk backwards to school. I love to be original, some say I'm a fool. But unconventionality's my number one rule. For I am one of a kind, I am one of a kind. And though some people tease me, I just pay them no mind. My savoir faire will save me when I get in a bind. Philosophy referred to his chair. He said, You must write a composition proving it's there. A clever girl beside me wrote with gumption and flair. Her essay had two words, and all it said was, What chair? Oh, she is one of a kind. She is one of a kind. She has a way with any classwork. She is a sign. At the rate she's going, she might leave the teacher behind. Speaking with Matthew Levine, a musician who has 
produced a number of CDs, and we're sharing his music. And the next piece we're going to share is called On the Fence, and that's on a CD called A House Divided. Yeah, that was loosely inspired by my previous marriage. And it's about a guy who's on the fence, not knowing if the relationship's going to work out or not. And it's a personal rumination on what he's thinking and feeling. This is called On the Fence. Love is a funny thing tells you nothing of what it may bring to you I thought I had us figured out But then I saw the shadows changing Changing I know that she would like to be safe from the unpredictability of life And in control of every moment that she owns She knows that I would always try to be accommodating to her needs As long as I was free to cast my fate to the wind Our love is sitting on the fence Waiting for a breeze to blow it over to one side Or the other And when it blows, God only knows what we will be To each other Knows the kind of cosmic trick to play on you. Stretch my soul through infinity that I may take in stride these changes, these changes. I know that she would give to me all the stability I need to jump into. The space where chaos and creation come together She knows that I would try to pacify Her fear of living all alone When age makes her invisible to people and the world We know our love is sitting on the fence Waiting for a breeze to blow it over to one side And when it blows, God only knows what we will be to each other. Love to fly around the world and leave 
with my footprints in the hearts of 20 million friends that I have never met. I know that she would comfort me if I was far from home and family and never speak of any troubles caged inside her heart. We know our love is sitting on the fence waiting for a breeze to blow it over to one side or the other. When it blows, God only knows what we will be. When it blows, God only knows what we will be. When it blows, God only knows what we will be to each other. So I'm speaking with Matthew Levine, a musician who has produced a number of CDs, and we just listened to the song On the Fence. And Matthew, this song is on the CD A House Divided, which is an interesting title. Can you tell us why the CD is called A House Divided? It's titled after the feature song of the album, which is also A House Divided, which is an anthem for world unity, which I thought was one of the more important ideas to feature on the title of an album. Of course, the world right now is very divided. And when I wrote this like 20 years ago, it it was divided then as well. Governments are divided. Religions are divided. Races are divided. People are just not coming together the way we, we were meant to be together. And it's like the evolution of the human race. If you use the analogy of, how teens are when they get rebellious and adventurous and they do a lot of the wrong things and and some of them even kill themselves or come close to it. And, but then usually in their 20s, either life itself or a friend or some experience knocks sense into them and they get back on track. So I don't think the world is at that place yet. We're still in the late teens, so to speak. It's my goal, and I think any conscientious human being's goal, that we are united because we all have the same needs. We're on the same planet. If we work together, we'll accomplish a lot. But being divided, we can't really accomplish much of anything. So I felt that writing the song was kind of important. It's interesting because you picked the song On the Fence, which described a family's house is somewhat divided, but then the whole album is also from a a more global perspective of how humanity is divided. I gave you that one because uh, recently I was interviewed on a quack website and the, the owner of the site, who's a fine songwriter himself, his favorite song of mine was On the Fence. I'm speaking with Matthew Levine, musical composer, songwriter, performer, who has a number of CDs. The next song uh, we're going to feature is called The Man Upstairs, and I guess that's on your CD called A Sacrifice to Thee. Yes, uh, I think it's also on A House Divided. That's one of my favorite songs. I hadn't written a song quite like that before. It's inspired by one particular Baha'i youth that was 
murdered for sending a message from Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i faith, to the person he was told to, to send the message to. And he gratefully gave his life in order to provide that service. But many Baha'is have given their lives just for the sake of the unity of mankind and standing up for their beliefs. This was inspired by all those people. So I created a fictitious scenario, which is very much based on reality. It it could very well be the reality of many Baha'is who have been killed. But I wanted to tell a story from sort of an omniscient point of view, but following the youth that is kidnapped and then and then imprisoned and then sacrifices his life in a way that might be thought-provoking. And so this is called The Man Upstairs. young boy went at his father's command to the town bazaar with a coin in his hand. He searched through the crowd in the burning heat, but no vendor would sell him bread or meat. He was suddenly pulled from the marketplace with a stranger's hand held over his And in the gloom he saw an apparition It said, now you must be patient in submission Life is a flickering state of affairs Lit by the hand of the man upstairs of red with vermin scampering happy and fed on the floor he writhed in pain the stranger entered and called his name he said spend your days in here and grow old or recant your faith and join our said, I would sooner walk through fire. My allegiance goes to one much higher. Life is a flickering state of affairs, lit by the hand of the man upstairs. Life is a flickering state of affairs Lit by the hand of the man upstairs And the boy cried out to his master While his heart sank like a stone As the room started spinning 
I'm speaking with Matthew Levine, musical composer, songwriter, who's produced a number of CDs. We've been listening to selections from his various works. And the last one that we've selected is called Vegetarian Vampire. Yeah. I learned musical theater writing from the Academy of New Musical Theater, which is now New Musicals Incorporated in North Hollywood. This was like nine years ago, and I think a couple of years after I started there, the director put a bunch of about six writing teams together, kind of randomly, but but all people who knew each other, because there was a theater producer that wanted to put a, a musical of various vampire skits 
together. And so we were partnered and then asked to write one song having something to do with a vampire. We had one month to do this. And then like three weeks into it, my partner still didn't have a lyric for me. And meanwhile, I had an idea of a more humorous approach. And so I wrote it myself just in case he wasn't able to finish his. So I came upon the idea of a vampire who turns to be a vegetarian. And that just opened the floodgates and there were all kinds of possibilities. I wanted to have a a reasoning which would resonate with what's actually happening in the world ecologically and health-wise that would make some sense why a vampire would become a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So that's basically it. And of course, it's the V's are pronounced W. I keep getting asked this. The V's are pronounced W's because it's funnier for no other reason. It's just a lot funnier. It sounds kind of stilted and weird to say vegetarian vampire. And I'm sure the audience will get the idea. So this is called Vegetarian Vampire. Times are hard for us vampires. Sometimes you need to make a change if you want to have a stake in your future. Or else the future will have a stake in you. A vampire needs to drink the blood of humans every night. But oftentimes there is no victim anywhere in sight. And then it drives you batty cause you cannot get a bite. Oh, what's a weary vampire to do? Years ago, the fragrance of a freshly beaten neck had a musky nose and spicy notes and hints of triple sec. But with vitamin deficiency today, it tastes like dreck. This is what a vampire goes through. Alas, the human race is now endangered. Soon the good ones may not be around. From what I've mentioned, we have got a problem. But I have found the solutions in the ground. Become a vegetarian vampire like me. Grow a new wing on your family tree. Who needs blood? Go and give it up. Grab a peach and learn to live it up. If you want to feast for all eternity, become a vegetarian vampire like me. Vampires can be vulnerable, you see. With human safety is no guarantee. With STDs, you better be gloving it. Catch one and you won't be loving it. You'll have to deal with a demon you can't see or be a vegetarian vampire like me. And when you're having withdrawal symptoms and the hunger attacks with a vengeance, you go walking at midnight hoping it goes away. Then suddenly there in the moonlight stumbles your precious prey. A voluptuous wixen wasted on vodka. So you lie down with her in the sod, caressing her nape. Your mouth is agape. 
There is no escape. Try to not make a mess on your cape. But then you look into her eyes and swallow. For you know that your heart will be hollow. When a dissonant chord has ended this sad duet. And though your appetite is wet, really wet, you skip the main course and go have a cigarette. Though you could drink a horse, cause you know you would regret it if you killed her. So you're thinking better yet, you can have her as a pet. (gasps) So now I have a companion. I named her Flora. She taught me to live off the fruits of the earth. It was the only way we could be together. Still, I'm hoping that if I'm a good vampire for my birthday, she might play with me my favorite game, Transfusion. Or not. Now my pet and I have lots of things to do. She's my little virgin, it's true. Yesterday I sat and stood, now I'm playing with my food. But gorging on her juicy neck is now taboo, for I am now a vegetarian too. Vampires, listen to this devotee. Try it for a night and you'll agree. Earth is such a grand utopia, life is one big cornucopia. A change of diet and we're making history. You don't have to be contrarian, make a change, it's not so scary, and try a kumquat, lose the carrion, let me help you pop your cherry and in your ecstasy, you will learn to be a vegetarian vampire like me. So I'm speaking with Matthew Levine, composer, singer-songwriter, who's produced a number of CDs, and we had just listened to a number of his songs. Matthew, where can people find your music? Only my um, spiritual-oriented music is on ninestarmedia.com. That's the number nine, and then the word starmedia.com. And when you get there, just put Matthew Levine in the search box and they'll come right up. Unfortunately, it's too expensive to put an album out without a way to promote it. I can't afford to do that. That's a dilemma for many musicians nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, most of them, I would say. What could fix that problem for musicians? There's so many forces that are taking advantage of songwriters and composers, there's a whole cultural thing happening. There's the fact that it's easy to steal music because it's digital and people can find ways to copy it and not pay for it. The movie and TV industry are paying pennies to the dollar what they used to get for tunes that are put into to TV and movies. There's no music business anymore. It's become a, a, like a private club. It's become more of a product placement industry. It really has nothing to do with music. So it's really hard if you're not famous 
or you don't have $50,000 to do your own world-class recorded album and promote it. And if you're not touring, that's even worse. I don't tour. I'm, I'm not any of those. If you are a touring band and you spend a lot of time promoting your stuff and you know how to do it and you have a, 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 a way to have a really good recording with a really good mixing engineer, which are really hard to find, even in Hollywood, the good ones charge like $1,000 or more per song. That's not including recording any of the tracks. So it's really, really hard. Me and all the other songwriters, even friends who've made millions of dollars and as writers, not as performers, and, and they have no idea how to make a, make a living. Um, they're throwing their hands up in the air just like me. I did make some money this summer from a musical that my partner and I had produced in Wisconsin. So that's promising. Um, they've asked us to do another one. So that could open some doors into the musical theater area. One of the reasons I went into musical theater in the last eight, nine years is because you don't need to invest a lot of money to write a musical or to get it produced because it's not, you're not creating a product that needs to be placed somewhere. You're creating a musical that can only be produced by a musical theater producer or, you know, a theater. And it's a completely different business with completely different rules and protocols. And, but the advantage is I don't have to spend hardly any money to write a musical or to, to get it produced. So that's what I'm focusing on right now. And do you have a website where people can find out about this aspect of your work? Yes, my personal website is MatthewLevineMusic.Weebly.com. And Weebly is spelled W-E-E-B-L-Y, kind of like the way it sounds. So that's my personal website where I kind of chronicle what's happening shows kind of what I've been doing the last five years, well, actually, most of my career. If you're interested in hearing a few other snippets and uh, seeing a, a video or so, uh, you can go there. I'd Great. love to have you. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for sharing your work with us. Thank you, Warren. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with singer-songwriter Matthew Levine. You can find his spiritual music on ninestarmedia.com. That's the number nine, starmedia.com. His professional music website is matthewlevinemusic.weebly.com. Weebly being W-E-E-B as in Bravo, L-Y. So that's matthewlevinemusic.weebly.com. I'll play more of his music at the close of this program. You can find this interview and other interviews at upahighperspective.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
questions why and he waits for a reply stricken with wonder as the canyon speaks saying I am always here and if your question is sincere the answer will be When you hear the mother tongue When you learn the mother tongue When you speak the mother tongue Time to make a brand new start I will listen to the land And I will let my soul expand And I will finally understand When I hear the mother tongue When I learn the mother tongue Oh XOJLP Northampton, 
103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.